these last eight verses in uh, Ephesians chapter four have just been such a blessing to me this week as I continued to read them and consider them and, and, and to understand the, the, the truth of what the Apostle Paul is trying to teach us. And my prayer this morning is that we would be like sponges and absorb these things. Because I, I believe each and every one of these six things that I've kind of broken these verses down into, each of these six things are not gonna be easy for us to apply to our lives. It's not gonna come naturally. In fact, it's gonna be more difficult Uh, as believers, if we truly want to live for the Lord, it's going to be difficult. And the good news is God doesn't just say, figure it out on your own. (laughs) You know, you, you can do this. No, he says, I've given you the Holy Spirit. I've given you the presence of God in your life so that you can live out these things. And one thing I would say about our culture and that, that our culture values less and less is relationships. You know, we, we live in a world, uh, you know, of social media. And you know me, I've said it many times to me, I call it unsocial media because you don't have to have any face-to-face interaction. And so there's no longer these, this desire to, to, to be together in people's lives. And it's so important as believers. That's why gathering together on Sunday mornings is so important because we see each other face-to-face. We can look each other, at each other's face and say, how are you doing? You know, what's going on in your life? See, (laughs) we don't build front porches on our homes very much anymore. But we sure do build privacy fences around our backyards, don't we? I don't want to see the neighbors. I don't want to see their stuff. I don't want to see their kids, right? I don't want to see. You want to isolate. And so it's it's this idea that loneliness is is rampant in our world. You just... Feel alone. I don't care if you've got thousands and thousands of followers on social media. You may not have any friends, right? Who cares how many people follow you? Who cares how many people like your posts? Who are you connecting with? Who are you spending time face-to-face with? That's what God wants, and I'm so grateful. You know, everybody was worried during the pandemic. Oh, church is just gonna be something that we do online anymore because it sure is convenient to stay in our jammies and in our bed and still go to church, right? Let's not lie, it was not bad for a season. But I'll tell you, that first Sunday we got back together, my my heart was so full, listening to the voices, worshiping God together again. And it made us realize how important it was to see each other, to look in each other's face, how are you doing? How are you doing? What's going on in your life? And to not give the pat answer, I'm good. No, to, to be honest and open and, and true with each other. Relationships are important. Uh, uh, and it's, it's a sense of a lack of intentionality. That's a big word. But we need to be intentional. We, we need not to just stay on the sidelines waiting for someone to approach us. We need to be that person that approaches someone and says, what's going on? How's your marriage? How's things at the workplace? What's going on in your neighborhood? What's going on in your heart to truly challenge each other in these things? Why do we need greater intentionality in our relationships with others? Because the Bible tells us to do those very things, same things. And I'll give you five of the things that the Bible tells us. Number one, God desires, God's desire is that we restore relationships. 
that we actually take an active part in breaking down the divisions in relationships and actually reconciling relationships. He says in 2 Corinthians 5, just listen, you don't have to turn there. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. God did that through Jesus, reconciled us back to God so that we could have relationship with him. But he goes on and says, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Every single one of us in this room has a responsibility to restore broken relationships. Well, Pastor Rob, you just don't understand what they've done. They've hurt me so deeply, and I just will not go there. And I understand the heart. I understand the intent. And I, 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 I get it. There's relationships in my life that are like, oh, I really don't want to run into that person. I really don't want to see that person at Home Depot or run into them at Publix or Kroger's. I want to just avoid them, Lord. And those are the ones I believe God wants us to say, pick up the phone, set up a lunch, grab a coffee, let's work it out. Because that's what he wants. That's what God does. He reconciled us to himself so that we would have the ministry of reconciliation. Again, very hard thing to do. Number two, Jesus bothered with relationships, right? The 12 disciples that followed along like little, little chicks, <laughs> you know, through the three years of ministry. He spent time with them. He ministered to them. He showed them. He, ex he lived by example to them. It was a relationship that he wanted to have with his disciples, and he continues to have relationship with his disciples today. Intimacy. Jesus commanded us to embrace relationships. In whoop, I hit the wrong verse. In John chapter 13, verse 34, it says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. He commands us to love each other. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not, hey, this would be the best thing for you. No, he says, I command you to love each other. And I'll go above and beyond what the intent here is, yes, we're to love each other and to have love for each other. Doesn't always mean we're gonna have a relationship. There may be someone in your life that you may not have a relationship with, but you need to love them and not hold bitterness in your heart. Because if we're truly loving, <laughs> then our hearts stay open to the possibility of what God might do. So Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Well, that raises the bar, does it not? <laughs> How much, well, God, how much do you want me to love that person? As much as I love you. That's a, that's a tall bar. And that's something we cannot achieve on our own. We can only do it through God's strength. So Jesus commanded us to. Uh, you can't possibly obey the Bible without building relationships. Romans 12.10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Galatians 5.3, through love, serve one another. Colossians 3, Paul says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And then lastly, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, therefore comfort each other and edify one another. You cannot read the New Testament. You cannot read the Bible without God getting in your face and saying, be involved in relationship. Intentionality. And so I've entitled today's message, Intentional Interactions. Intentional interactions, I say it that way because what the things that we're gonna look at that Paul, Apostle Paul tells us to do, we're not gonna necessarily do naturally. We have to be intentional about these things. And so as we look at verse 25, we looked at it last week, but I think it's important to look at it again because it's something we all need to make sure we do. Verse 25 says, therefore, 
putting away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Quite a list there, wouldn't you say? Quite a list of to-dos, if you will. Some to-dos and some to-don'ts. You know, Paul, as he writes this letter, as he writes this to the churches and as he kind of lays out the the ministry of God giving gifts and us using those gifts in the church to edify one another he gets to this place at the end of this particular chapter and he says these are the things you need to be doing these are the things that need to be evident in your life and that's why I say it needs to be uh, intentional interaction it needs to be something you choose to do nobody wakes up and just automatically says, you know what? I'm not going to lie today. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I am going to lie today. <laughs> what happens is you find yourself in a situation and you think, Oof, if I tell the truth, this may cost me. But Paul says, no, 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 no. Therefore, putting away lying. This is something that we talked about last week, how important it is. It's not just stop lying. It's like pack lying away. Put it in a box, stick it in your basement, put it in your attic, bury it in your backyard that you no longer should be lying. That's what we should be as believers. We should not lie. Is that easy, anybody? Oh, good. You guys got this down. This is merely for me. <laughs> lying. It's, 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 it's easy in our culture. You never know if someone's telling you the truth. That's why I feel the society that we're living in, you don't know what truth is from a lie. The only truth we can truly understand and know is the truth of God's word, right? So this should be our guide. This should be our countess. But we don't know if someone's telling the truth. We don't know if they're telling us a lie. But we ourselves, we again, don't worry about other people. Worry about ourselves. Be truthful. Tell the truth. Because if you're always telling the truth, you don't have to keep account of all your lies. Think about it. I have a bad memory. So if I lie, I, yeah, there's another one back there, raise his hand. Liar. I can't remember what I said last week. So if I lied and I tell the truth this week, that, wait a minute, you didn't say that last week. Oh, it's because I didn't remember that I lied. <laughs> Yes, it's recorded. It is recorded, yeah. See, I have to be extra accountable. You all don't have these things. Let's do that this week. Everybody record all of your conversations for the week, and I'll review them for accuracy. <laughs> but followers of Christ should be people of truth. 
Again, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We should be truthful, even when it costs us. I find God is real good at taking care of me if I'm truthful. He'll take care of the things that I say, the, the hurt that may come out of it, the, the, the damage that may be there. I just understand God is gonna take care of it. Because to me, lying, as you remember from last week, was the old man. That's the behaviors of the old man. The old man just lies easily. No conviction, no, no, but not the new man. Not the new man in Christ, not the new creation. New creation is truthful because, listen, if you can't be truthful for, uh, with others, how truthful are you with God? Think about that. You can't lie to God, can you? You can, but he knows. <laughs> he knows everything. So when our relationship with God is strong and we're telling God the things that are going in our lives and we're being truthful to God, the way we feel, the way we, you know, the, the, the things that we've done, the choices that we made, oh Lord, I'm sorry I did. We're truthful with God, guess what? That translate into, translates into being truthful with others. So be truthful with God. I always say, be absolutely honest with God. He's got big shoulders and he can handle it. We can't sometimes. Sometimes we have to sugarcoat the truth. Sometimes we have to be careful, right? Paul says what? Speaking the truth in love, doing it in the right way. It's, we can be truthful and we also can be very crass when we're truthful. This is the truth and this is too bad the way you're taking it. No, we need to do it gently, but to be truthful. This lying should not be a part of the Christian life. It was many years ago I was living in South Florida. I don't remember where I was going and I don't have a good memory. <laughs> so this may, not, this may be a made up story, I don't even know. <laughs> I was driving somewhere, I was a Christian. I was driving somewhere in South Florida and I got pulled over by a cop. It's funny, when I get pulled over by a cop, my heart rate immediately goes to like 120 beats a minute. And I'm like, what the heck? So he pulled, he, I rolled down my window, his license and registration, I give it to him. He goes, do you know why I pulled you over? I said, I have no idea. He goes, you were doing 50 miles an hour in a 30 mile speed, speed zone. I go, oh, I was? Oh, sorry. I gave him my license, registration, and insurance card. He takes it back, and I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm getting a ticket. I'm going to be late for wherever I'm going. He comes back. He hands me all my stuff, and he says, I'm going to give you a ticket for failure to show your insurance. And I'm thinking, but I gave you my insurance card. He looked at me again. He goes, I'm giving you a ticket for failure of showing me your insurance. I'm like, but I gave you my insurance. I'm, I'm just a truthful guy, but I gave you my insurance. The guy looked at me like I was an idiot. He goes, would you like a $150 ticket for speeding or would you like a $5 ticket for not showing insurance? I'm like, got it. <laughs> That's just stupidity. <laughs> but it's like, I wanted to be truthful, but I gave it. I didn't understand what he was trying to get to. Be truthful in even the little things is what I'm getting at. Because when we're truthful in all the little things, when the big things comes up, hopefully we'll also be truthful. And that's what Paul says. Putting away lying. Let each one of you speak truth, notice, with his neighbor. <laughs> he, again, there's these interactions with us. We should be truthful with each other. We should not be putting on a show, especially as believers. What are we trying to do, impress people? No, let's be honest, let's be real. When things are going on in your life that don't seem pretty, who cares? 
Tell someone about it. Let them pray for you. Let them be a part of what God's gonna do in your life. So speak the truth with your neighbor for we are members of one another. We help each other when we're truthful. And I believe that when you're truthful, that'll encourage someone else to do the very same thing. I think it's important. Uh, In verse 26 and 27, he says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. So number one, we gotta be truthful. Number two, we have to be controlling of our anger. The Bible says, be angry. Doesn't it? Anger is an emotion. Anger is okay. We should be angry when a child is abused. We should be angry when a child is hungry because their parents are spending all their money on drugs and alcohol. It's an emotion, right? Bible says be angry because you're gonna be angry. It's a feeling. It's how you feel when something happens to you. It's what you do with your anger that turns it to sin, right? If we lash out in wrath towards our, you you know, (laughs) when we get angry at our children, I don't have children, I have little dogs. When I get angry at my dogs, I give them a kiss, okay? But when you have kids, you gotta spank them, right? No. Be careful with your anger. Don't let your anger dictate your actions. Keep anger under control. And that's what Paul is saying. Be angry, do not sin. In fact, this is a quote of Psalm 4.4. And that's interesting. Look at the verse. It says, be angry, do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed. And be still. So the psalmist says, listen, be angry, but don't sin. Meditate about it. Hey, buddy. See ya. (laughs) Love that kid. Be angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. What is it talking about? Or on your wrath. Handle your anger quickly. Don't let it fester. Don't let it build an evil root in your heart. Take it to the Lord in prayer and say, God, this angers me. This frustrates me. But I don't want to sin in this. When we meditate on our bed, when we take it to the Lord and say, Lord, I want you to help me understand why I'm feeling this way and what I should do about it. Let God give you the actions. Don't take it upon yourself to act upon your anger because many times it just becomes sin. And so for Christians, we don't do that. We aren't angry. We, don't, or we are angry, but we don't sin. And we take these things to the Lord. Uh, And then he says, don't give place to the devil. I love that the the Apostle Paul takes anger and equates it to works of the devil. Because it's when it turns to sin is when the devil says, oh, I got you now. And he turns it up. You You know, I think about verse 26, do not let the sun go down in your wrath. Um, you know, my wife and I have had a, one or two fights over our 34 years of marriage. Why are you laughing? One or, two. one or two. And, you know, when they're bad ones, the bad ones, one or two bad ones, uh, you don't sleep too good. You know? It's like there's, there's, there's unrest there. It's like, ah, I handled that wrong, or, man, she was wrong most of the time. <laughs> We're going to edit that out of the... Out of the podcast (laughs) but you know if you think about it 
at least in my experience, it's like when my wife and I have an argument, it's just not good. It's not a good feeling. You don't get good rest. You wake up wishing it was a dream. And it's like, deal with it. Talk about it. And I, I say this to a lot of couples, and I wish I would apply it to my own life. You know, when you have an argument with your spouse, if someone in the relationship would say, stop, let's just pray. Do you know how hard it is to be angry at someone when you've prayed for them? And I'm not saying, Lord, <laughs> heap coals of fire on their head. That's not the prayer you want to pray. <laughs> Lord, show my spouse grace. Deal with it. Because the enemy just wants to keep stirring. Yeah, you were wrong. Yeah, you're right and she's wrong. It's always the guy that's right, right? Now, deal with it. Don't let the sun go down on your Deal with it. And it is the hardest thing. When you're mad at someone, you don't want to pray for them. But do you understand? That's the most important thing that you need is to be able to pray blessings over them. It will take the anger and the sin out of the anger. It will take anger and sin out of that relationship. So be angry. Just don't sin in it. Don't let the sun go down in your wrath nor give place to the devil. Verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. This next one, it's so interesting. It's having a heart to be generous, a willingness to share. Uh, you know, why do people steal? Because they want something, but they don't want to give something for it. Well, as believers, we need to make sure that we're doing our part uh, laboring for the things that we have, being a good citizen, a good Christian. And it's interesting to me that the, the Apostle Paul, I don't know if you've ever noticed it, let him who stole, what's the, what's the, the resolution? Stop it. <laughs> Just stop doing it. Because when we're stealing, when we're taking, and listen, this can be in the smallest of details. We should not be people that are, are easily taking things. We should be people that are willing to work. And that's what Paul says, be, but let him rather labor. There were people in Paul's day that were just taking advantage of other people's hard work. And I believe that when you truly work with a heart to provide for yourself, to provide for your family, but also to help others, it changes our work ethic. You know, yes, work isn't supposed to be something that's overly enjoyable. <laughs> I mean, it's, tent making right it's making a living but when you know you're working for the Lord when you know you're doing something that will bless your life and potentially bless the life of another it changes it it changes the heart guys we only have a short period of time on this earth to act rightly before God and to truly have the right heart uh, Paul's telling everybody earn your own living earn your own living and I think it's important for us to teach these next generations the importance of hard work. You know, I grew up in upstate New York, and in my opinion, New Yorkers are just hard workers. They just they do, they work hard. They do their thing, and it's like this generation. Sometimes this generation, these kids think they, you know, should get out of school and immediately make hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, come on. Sometimes you gotta put your time in. Everybody wants the, the, the quick road. No, work hard. Um, the greed in our day today, 
is unbelievable, right? And then in this country, <laughs> the greediness. Well, so-and-so has all these things. <laughs> you young people, the older you get, the more you realize it doesn't matter how much stuff you have. What really matters is our relationships. Again, intentional interactions with each other are what last. The roofs all need repair. <laughs> the stuff that we have needs to be maintained. But if we look at our things, if we look at the things that we acquire as opportunities for God to use them, it changes our attitude. So be willing to share. Be willing to share. Uh, verse 29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. This kind of goes along the lines of the lying thing, but it's like, listen, don't let things happen. It's kind of a... Uh, It's kind of a desire to make sure that it's not just cussing. It's making sure that our words are giving life and not causing death. Do you know what I'm saying? What I mean what I mean when I say that? It's like our words have the ability to help and not hurt. And that's what Paul's saying. Don't let hurtful words come out of your mouth. But rather say something that will edify, say something that will build up. You know, as kids, when our parents disciplined us, if they just disciplined us and that was it, then it was just like, okay, when I do something wrong, I get beat, or, you know, that's it. But when they explain that what you did was wrong and this is why this is happening, you know, I, I've, I've talked to couples who have been very good about explaining to their children when they're gonna discipline them why they're gonna do it, and this is how it's working. It's an education opportunity, and so, to understand that we have to understand, show grace. That's what the Apostle Paul, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. It's again, guarding our hearts. This is a self-control thing. And it's this, let's go over to Matthew chapter 12. Let's turn there. Look at the words of Jesus. Matthew 12. We'll pick up in verse 33. Jesus speaking in Matthew 12, 33, he says, either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers. Again, he's speaking to the religious of the day. He says, brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words, you'll be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Basically, Jesus is saying, you can tell people by their fruit. You can tell what's in the heart of a person based on the things that are coming out of their mouths. So the challenge here is what kind of tree are we? Are we a tree that is producing good fruit? 
are we a tree that's producing bad fruit? When people look at our lives, do they see and witness grace and love and mercy and forgiveness? Or do they see bitterness and complaint and all these negative things? And that's what Paul and Jesus are saying. Listen, we gotta make sure that what's inside is what's gonna come out, right? If you've ever heard the the illustration, you know, if you tip a cup over, what's gonna come out of it is, is what's in it. And when you get pushed and when you get prodded and when you get pushed off center, what's coming out of you? Is it bitterness or is it grace? I I think it's easy for us in this world to get irritated and frustrated with a lot of things. (laughs) Okay, that list goes on and on. But when you boil it down to, hey, we're children of God and we're created in his image and we've been given his Holy Spirit, then what should come out of us should be good things because of the work he's done in my life and in your life is what should come out. That's why it's so important to stay connected to the Lord, to stay connected into understanding and and reading and studying the life of Christ. Jesus did an amazing job, did he not, of dealing with all the trouble in his life. The only time he, I don't want to say lost it, the only time he got upset was what? against the religious leader they were making a mockery out of God's house and he turned the tables said you've turned my father's house the house of prayer into a den of thieves that upset him but everything else Jesus was able to handle just like God does and we got to understand when you lash out at your kids when you lash out at your friends or your coworkers or employees or bosses or whatever whoever it is or the person driving too slow or too fast Where's Gary? Gary and I, that was for you and I. Traffic illustrations are always for me and Gary. What comes out of us is what's in us. And if you want people to look at your life and go, boy, they're so Christ-like, then you gotta get Christ in you. You gotta get his word in you. You gotta get the truth in you. You gotta let the, your tree, if you will, feed on Jesus, Right? The vine, Jesus is the vine. If we attach ourselves to the vine, we're gonna receive from the vine who's Christ and the goodness of him. None of us us deserve the goodness of God. So don't think just because someone's hurt you that they deserve your wrath or your lashing out. They don't. They need grace, just like we all do. And that's what Paul says. (laughs) Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but instead words of edification, that it may give grace to the hearer. How many of us in this room want to receive grace from God? All of us, (laughs) right? All of us want to receive God's grace. Do we deserve it? Do we earn it? No, God gives it. So we should be also giving of it. Listen, I, okay, people will take advantage. You've got to be careful, right? Be gentle as a dove, but Uh, shrewd as a serpent so we got to be wise I'm not saying just lay down and take it but I'm saying in everything that's possible by us make sure that we're giving a positive uh, outcome to the things that are going on in our lives to me it's a fruit of the spirit okay I'm going to put it up here I think I got it here yeah Galatians many of us know this 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and it almost seems like this one we just kind of say to close the verse. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Self, well, I just couldn't control myself. This happened, and I just couldn't control, I just had to respond that way. No, <laughs> you did because you weren't submitted to the Spirit, because self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, and if the Spirit is on us, if the Spirit is in us, then the Spirit should come out of us, and so we can control the things that we say. I, I think I said it last week, the tongue is the only body part that came with its own cage. Keep it shut, right? Oh, I just couldn't stop, help myself. Yes, you could. No, you couldn't help yourself, but God could help you if you let him. Self-control. I believe in strongly that all of these things that Paul is talking about, we have to have self-control. We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit in order to do any of these things, to accomplish any of these things, to live these ways. Um, and, and so verse, uh, verse 30, now that we... <laughs> Let no corrupt words come out of our mouths. Look what he says in verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which you were sealed for the day of redemption. I think Paul reminds us not to grieve the Holy Spirit immediately after the corrupt words out of our mouths because the Spirit is grieved when those words come out of our mouths. Because the Holy Spirit knows the motivation behind them. He knows the, the force behind them. And so don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The word grieve means to afflict with sorrow, to afflict with sorrow. Uh, the Holy Spirit is grieved when we sin. The Holy Spirit is grieved when we disobey God. The Holy Spirit is grieved when we don't do something that we're called to do. He's grieved. Paul says, don't, don't grieve. Don't bring the Spirit. You, you have the Spirit with you. Obey the Spirit. Submit yourself to the Spirit. Uh, Isaiah, let's see if I have, yeah, Isaiah 63, 9 and 10 say this, in all their affliction, he, God, was afflicted. When we hurt, God hurts. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them and he bore them and carried them all the days of old. Wow, what an amazing verse. Look at verse 10. But, they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned himself against them as an enemy and he fought against them. See, when we grieve the Holy Spirit and we rebel against God, we step out of God's presence. God is always there. God is always loving. He's always caring. He wants to help us. He wants to protect us. He wants to redeem us. He wants to do, but when we rebel, when we grieve the Holy Spirit, when we blatantly disobey his instructions to either not do something or to do something, God says, I've got to take my hands off. We don't want that, right? I mean, doesn't, uh, forget, and the Bible says to men, to husbands, you know, don't let your prayers be hindered based on your behavior. We want God to hear our prayers. We don't want them bouncing off the ceiling. God, I want you to hear my prayers. So we have to stay in right relationship and not grieve the Holy Spirit. And not grieving the Holy Spirit means listening to the Holy Spirit. You say, well, how do you listen to the Holy Spirit? 
Sometimes you have to be still and just let yourself connect to the Holy Spirit, to what the Spirit wants to say. Someone was saying to me this morning, they were praying to God for something, for a direction in their life. And the, the, the last thing they prayed was, oh Lord, I'm not hearing your, your answer. I'm not hearing your instruction. Lord, I'm really having a hard time understanding. Please show me. And they went away and they came back and certainly in that moment, they were listening to someone on a phone call and someone on the phone spoke the answer into this person's life. They knew it was God speaking. Even though this person was speaking to someone else, they knew it was God speaking to them and they received it as God's voice. It's, it's being open and being ready. God is always speaking. Anybody know that? He's always speaking. Are we always listening? And sometimes we have to be very quiet before God in order to hear his voice because there's a lot of other noise in our world, right? There's a lot of other voices trying to tell us, do this, do this. It is so hard to not to try and help God get what we want, right? Oh, Lord, you're not doing it fast enough. You're not doing it the way I want you to. I know you're a busy God, so I'm gonna help you out here. It's like, no, listen to his voice. His answer is the right answer. His response is the right response. And in Isaiah chapter 63, verse nine, it says, and the angel of his presence saved them. That's Jesus Christ himself. The angel of his presence was Jesus saving Israel, protecting Israel as long as they were in obedience to God. So, Ask yourself, Lord, is there any area? Is there anything area in my life where I'm not being obedient, that I'm doing something that I'm justifying, thinking it's right, but Lord, in your sight, it's not right? Because if it is, that you're gonna grieve the Holy Spirit. You don't wanna grieve the Holy Spirit. And then finally, he closes in verses 31 and 32. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking, here it is again, be put away from you. Put it out of your life with all malice. Paul is listing in verse 31 the, the characteristics of the old, pers- old man. They are characteristics of you before Christ. If you are a believer, if you have accepted Christ in your life, these things should not be evident in your life. There should be no bitterness towards anyone. Wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, these things should not be a part of who we are. People shouldn't look, they're a Christian. They shouldn't question that. They say they're a Christian, but that's how they act. That doesn't seem very Christian-like. And nothing gets me more <laughs> than a Christian saying to another Christian how they should act. We can encourage each other in our walks with God, but it's not our job to be the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's job to be the Holy Spirit and God's job to be God. It's our job to pray for people. It's our job to make sure we're being kind to one. Even if someone's bitter and wrathful and angerful, uh, angerful? (laughs) or if they're responding in anger, we don't have the right to respond back in like kind. No. What does he say in verse 32? And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Why? even as God in Christ forgave you. To me, the biggest motivation for forgiving someone and acting godly 
is because God has acted that way towards me. I don't deserve his grace. I don't deserve an opportunity to serve him the way I do. It's only by God's grace and his mercy that he has done allowed anything in my life. And it's probably the same in yours as well. None of us would ever pray, God, give me what I deserve. But Lord, give me your grace. And so, verse 31 is the old man, verse 32 is the new man, being kind to one another. Wouldn't the world be amazing if everybody was being kind to each other? Tenderhearted. You know, you think about the heart of Christ. <laughs> what a tenderhearted Savior we have. He knows our affliction, he knows our condition, and he died for us anyway. He's tenderhearted. And to forgive. You know, I'll end with this. If you're here this morning, and there's bitterness in your heart and unforgiveness in your heart. You're the one that's suffering. Forgiveness is for you. It's not for the other person. The person you're holding bitterness towards or unforgiveness towards probably doesn't even know. But you gotta give that over to the Lord. Intentional interactions is intentionally saying, I'm gonna forgive this person. And you might have to forgive them every moment of every day until true forgiveness finally comes. One of the greatest definitions of forgiveness that I've ever come across in my studies, forgiveness is not, no longer being able to think about it anymore. That's when you know you've truly forgiven, when it doesn't come back. And when you think about it and it gets you again, that's when you forgive again until you can no longer think about it. That's when true forgiveness is being given. Listen, this week, I challenge you. The new, pers- the new man, the old man is gone, the new man has been put on. Put away lying. Be, be angry, just don't sin in your anger. Again, anger is an emotion. It's because something has happened to you. Anger is not sin. It's what you do with your anger. Be kind, be loving. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. This week, do everything in your power to hold your tongue and speak truth because that's what we need. We need to give grace to one another. So let's ask God to equip us and enable us to do that this week.